Our first question will go to the incumbent. How would you bring jobs back to the 14th district? That's a great question, Carl. Thank you for asking it. It's the first thing I think of when I wake up in the morning, and it's the last thing I think of when I go to bed. Jobs in North Carolina mean what? A strong North Carolina, and a strong North Carolina means a strong America, and that, my friends, is how we're going to do it. And welcome to the main event. Open up with that clip from the movie The Campaign, because I think the more we listen to these Democrat uh, campaign uh, the uh, candidates for president, you know, it's just about as stupid as stupid can be. You know, hey, you know how? What are, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about uh, bringing in, uh, fixing our Medicare, Medi- Medicare, our medical system, our healthcare system. You know what? Didn't they do that under Obama? They completely destroyed our our medical system because some people didn't have insurance. Some people still don't have an insurance, except for now everything's harder to do. It's it's just as bad as it can be. But you know what? What are people concerned with? Having jobs. You know, well, how are you gonna? What are you gonna do about jobs? Everybody has jobs now, so why get rid of Trump? I don't know, but we just have to do something. We better impeach this guy. And uh, so it's just as it's just as as silly as that movie, The Campaign. And uh, if you haven't seen it, and uh, if you haven't seen it, you're watching it every time you watch the news and watch the Democrat candidates. But of course, we don't have uh, Zach Galifianakis uh, on the Republican side, so uh, who knows? Who knows? So, uh, and then uh, we took that song uh, Saturday Night All Right for Fighting Elton John because uh, I'm recording on Thursday Thursday evening instead of Friday morning because. Uh, Friday morning, Don and I are getting on a plane, and we're heading to Nashville, and we're going to be uh, uh, kicking some rocks and uh, boot scooting and uh, having some drinks and some food. We'll probably even drive out and to Memphis and see uh, Graceland, and, uh, and uh, you know, Don saw Trisha Yearwood on, uh, on Trisha Yearwood's uh, uh, cooking channel on Saturdays, and she saw them in Nashville driving, pedaling down this thing called the Pedal Pub, where they're all sitting around this this mobile bar and going down the middle of the street in, in Nashville and they're pedaling. All the people are sitting there having cocktails while they're pedaling this thing that goes up and down the streets. And she goes, Oh, that looks fun. Let's go do that. Okay. So 
that's where we are while you guys are uh, listening to this show this weekend on the radio. And uh, and while we're there, while we're there, I noticed that uh, Elton John is playing uh, part of his farewell tour at the Bridgestone Arena. So Monday night, we will be seeing Elton John. And I figured, hey, you know what? I'm trying to find a perfect Nashville song. And I said, you know, uh, Elton John rocks a little harder than some of the country songs. And, uh, you know, should I use a Trisha Yearwood song? No, what a... What a more uh, bubblegummy way to open up a show. Let's do a let's do some Elton John. So uh, anyway, that's a, that's that's how my open came to be. Anyway, we're gonna talk about all the all the exciting stuff that maybe you saw, maybe you didn't see on the on the TV, and my opinion of it. But first, before I go any farther, let me introduce myself so you know who this whose opinion you're getting. My name is Ed Hoffman from Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, you want to talk to someone who thinks like you, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One more time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. And the, the fantastic opportunities in real estate are because the interest rates are so low. And especially going into the holiday season, holiday season, usually the... Uh, the buyers dry up because people stop uh, stop shopping for houses and they start shopping for toys. And of course, I'm not really sure how that looks now because they shop. There's no Toys R Us anymore, so I guess they're going to Target and Walmart and uh, the wherever. Mostly people will be shopping on Amazon. So I guess what are people going to do to get out of the house? I don't know. But the house shopping seems to slow down. So while the interest rates are low and the buyers are short, um, you might find some some sellers that are getting a little desperate, and you might get some great deals out there. So jump on it, but before you do, you got to get pre-qualified. Call me toll-free, 855-640-2020. If you don't want to, uh, if you don't want to talk on the phone, but you want to get some information, you can go to edhoffman.net, uh, scroll down to the Summit Funding logo, click on it. That'll take you to my, uh, my lending page, and put in as much information as you want me to have, Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear from myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Brian Goodman, and we will help you find the uh, missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Uh, if you have if you have properties that you're uh, that that you already own and you want to refinance them, call me. Rates are great. If you're over 62 and uh, and you haven't checked out one of those reverse mortgage things. Hey, I've been hearing about these reverse mortgage things. Are they good things or bad things? They are good things. They are good things. And uh, if and you owe it to yourself, um, if you got equity, to check them out and see if the if it could enhance your retirement years. It really there's really no disadvantage to them, um, and it does give you a lot of lot of uh, control on on your finances, a lot of control in your in your in your uh, in your senior years. And know this that when the as the interest rates go down, because how reverse mortgages work, they go on an actuarial table. So the older you are, the shorter shorter that loan's going to be for, and the and the lower the interest rate is, the slower it's going to accrue interest. And uh, the, obviously, the more equity you have, the the more the more value, the more uh, the more room you have to uh, get money. So uh, uh, so with the lower rates, you got a lot more options. So even if you've checked it out before and said. Well, I checked it out. I didn't have enough enough equity with the lower rates. You may it can it can make a huge difference. So if you haven't if you haven't checked it out since the rates dropped, call us or go online 855-640-2020 or 
edhoffman.net. Click on Summit Funding. If you want to hear something repeated that I said on the show, hey, what, what did Ed just say? Or you want to share it with a friend or you want to hear it sometime when I'm not on the radio. edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. You can you can hear this week's show as well as, as, well as several past shows. And you can uh, listen to them on demand. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes where you can subscribe for free. Have it download once a week to your your uh, iPhone, your iPad, your iWatch, your mini pad, your maxi pad, your computer, anything that you can listen to uh, to uh, uh, podcasts on and uh, listen to it anytime you want. In the middle of the night, while you're uh, watching TV, while uh, your wife's watching uh, a girly show, uh, anything anything that you know you turn the turn the sound down and listen to something more interesting than what's on TV. Um, lastly, follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I, uh, tweet about current events all week long. And, uh, the Facebook page is, uh, facebook.com slash the main event, Ed Hoffman. And, uh, like us on Facebook. So anyway, let's talk about what's going on. Much of this week's news cycle was dominated by the strange subplot thrown into the Democrat primary race, courtesy of someone named, uh, Hillary Clinton if you remember her, or as uh, President Trump said. Hillary Clinton, if you've heard of her, she's the one that's accusing everybody of being uh, a Russian agent. Anybody that is opposed to her is a Russian agent. Tulsi, I don't know Tulsi, but she's not a Russian agent. I don't know Jill Stein. I know she likes environment. I don't think she likes Russians. These people are sick. There's something wrong with them. No, Jill Stein was the the Green Party candidate, if I remember correctly, from... uh, way back when but um you know you know what's funny is this uh this this obsession with Russia and this obsession with how they affected our our election in 2016 and you know what's funny is no one's talked about investigating Al Gore cuz didn't Al Gore invent the internet I believe that was his claim uh when he ran for uh for president in 2000 I invented the internet and so uh but the internet, the World Wide Web, the reason that you put www on the front of your uh, your web web address is the World Wide Web because it's worldwide. You can you can see anything around the world. Of course, if you're in some countries, they block out other countries. But um, but this is the excitement. You can you can uh, find stuff from all over the world. You can uh, tap into the this information this information superhighway and. Uh, that means everyone else can tap into ours. That means social media. You can post something on pages that uh, are, you know, the other side of the world from here. And of course, the other side of the world, they speak a different language than us most of the time. But uh, but if you if you speak that language, you could in- involve yourself in that. And you know, it's hey, people putting stuff on social on social media that's influencing people to vote the other way. Isn't that what everybody does? I mean, if you look on Facebook, I mean, I, I see when I get on Facebook, when I get on Facebook, the first the first gazillion posts that I see on my homepage are all politics. And I don't know how they know that I tap into that stuff, uh, but I guess it's not hard to figure out. So uh, so I go down and, and my wife's saying, well, did you see this person's post? No. Did you see this person's post? No. Family members and our our kids and and all this stuff and so you know I don't have time to really 
scroll down that far. And, uh, you know, if I get down, if I spend 10 minutes, I never get past the, the political stuff. So, uh, um, so if you read any of that stuff, you'll see everybody's trying to influence somebody. You know, if you go into some of these, uh, these private, private, play, private places, like, like, uh, we have one that's called Marino Valley politics matters. And there are some genuine whack jobs in the city of Marino Valley that are putting stuff, putting stuff out there. I can't believe I allow them in my, in my city. I really can't believe I'm that, you know, and of course the worst of them, the worst of them have blocked me. So I don't really get to see them anymore, but I get to see the comments of other people responding to them. And I go, I wonder what she said. So, uh, it's amazing, but you know, Al Gore is the guy that, that invented that. So, uh, I think they should go after him instead of Trump. So here's the recap. On October 17th, Hillary was a guest on the podcast of Barack Obama's 2008 campaign manager, a guy named David Plouffe. I'm going to say, say his name is P-L-O-U-F-F-E. Plouffe. Maybe he's a French guy. Where they talked about what else? Russian interference in the last election, of course. Uh, Plouffe asked what methods Hillary thinks that the Kremlin has up its sleeve this time. With no proof whatsoever, she made this claim about Congressman Tulsi Gabbard alongside the accusation about the 2016 Green Party nominee, Jill Stein. They're also going to do third party again. And I'm not making any predictions, but I think they've got their eye on somebody who's currently in the Democratic (laughs) primary and are grooming her to be the third party candidate. She's a favorite of the Russians. They have a bunch of sites and bots and other ways of supporting her so far. And that's assuming Jill Stein will give it up, which she might not, because she's also a Russian uh, asset. Yeah, Yeah, she's a Russian asset. I mean, totally. So if you saw the last debate, Tulsi Gabbard said, hey, you know, the Democratic National Committee thinks I'm a is coming out and saying I'm a I'm a Russian asset. And she just she just kind of went off on it. And uh, and quite frankly, Tulsi Gabbard seemed to be the only one making any having any common sense. And I do not support this woman, but she was the closest thing to to uh, having a brain of anybody on that stage, in my opinion. And of course, you know, there is Cory Booker that every time he got asked a question, all he talked about is we need to stop attacking each other. We need to stop attacking each other or we're just doing the Republicans job. And uh, and I try to me I try to remember I had I had it all down for last week, but I only used half my show show for it. I had a whole big plan on everybody had their own their own battle plan on the last. Uh, but you know there's other stuff going on besides that that debate. So I only just touched on everything. So uh, so in response to to this comment that that uh, Hillary made, uh, Tulsi made this video. People warned me in 2016 that my endorsement of Bernie Sanders would be the end of my quote-unquote political career. But if they can falsely portray me as a traitor, then they can do it to anyone. If you stand up against Hillary, they will destroy you and discredit your message. But here is the truth. They will not intimidate us. Destroy and discredit your message message if you stand up to Hillary Clinton. You know what? That's only the that's only the little part of it. Imagine what what Hillary could do to you. She might suicide you. Uh, you know that's that's you know how do you suicide somebody? That's when you arrange for them to die and make it look like a suicide. Or even if it doesn't look like a suicide, you make it somehow become the conclusion 
of the medical examiner or the police. Maybe you pay them off or something, and somehow they come up with, you know, like, uh, uh, what's it, Jeffrey Epstein? You know, they had a big problem with uh, Jeffrey Epstein because, you know, Bill Clinton had some big ties to him. So if that case went forward, you know, there's a there's a big liability for Bill Clinton. And uh, somehow he hung himself from his bunk with a sheet. And he broke all these bones in his neck. Hmm. And bruised his neck and all that stuff. You'd think think that was like from somebody's hand squeezing on his neck. That would break those little bones in your neck. Um, Not just wrapping a sheet around him. But, you know, somehow, uh, somehow, no matter what happened... Uh, that's what they came up with because that's how uh, Hillary Clinton suicided somebody. And, uh, you know, that uh, what was it? Uh, the guy, uh, the the attorney for the Clintons that committed suicide in the park across from the from the uh, from the uh, White House. His name was in the Whitewater case. And, you know, hey, hey, he committed suicide, shot himself in the back. I don't know. I forget I forget the exact name, but hey, if you go to my website, edhoffman.net, and click on the pot, and you go to the, uh, I don't know if it's on the podcast page, but there's a separate page, it's called Clinton Casualties, and listen to that, and I go over like 50, 54 or 56 different people that uh, have mysteriously died crossing paths with uh, with Hillary Clinton uh, over the past, uh, Vince Foster is the guy's name. Uh, that have crossed paths with the Clintons, Bill or Hillary, and or both, and uh, they get suicided. So anyway, so uh, Tulsi endorsed uh, Bernie in 2016 when she was uh, second in command at the Democratic National Committee, thereby taking off Debbie Blabbermouth Schultz, who was the head of the head of the Democratic National Committee. And uh, you know, imagine that. You know, the the Democratic National Committee is putting all their all their efforts to get Hillary nominated, even though. Bernie's message was catching catching popularity and he had he had actually won a few primaries and somehow they were feeding uh feeding Hillary the the questions when she'd do a debate with him so she knew ahead of time she had a they were doing everything to stack the deck against Bernie and uh and even though and but you know what uh apparently Tulsi Gabbard didn't feel good about that and she endorsed she endorsed uh, Bernie, and uh, Debbie Blabbermouth Schultz didn't like that. She was actively trying to shut down Bernie's campaign to help Hillary, and that's friends is the real reason Hillary is now calling Tulsi Gabbard an agent of Russia. Here's more from Fox's Ellison Barber. The fall of 2015, Gabbard, then the vice chair of the DNC, got into a public fight with then DNC chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz over the number of primary debates. Four months later, Gabbard resigned from her DNC post and endorsed Sanders for president. I'm endorsing Senator Bernie Sanders. Gabbard isn't the only one suggesting all of it is a factor in the feud today. Well, you know, here's here's uh, Tulsi's uh, flawless Twitter response. She says, great, thank you, at Hillary Clinton. You, the queen of warmongers, embodiment of corruption, and the personification of rot that has sickened the Democratic Party for so long, have finally come out from behind the curtain. From the day I announced my candidacy, there has been a concerted campaign to destroy my reputation. We wondered who was behind it and, and why. Now we know it was always you. 
through your proxies and powerful allies in the corporate media and war machine afraid of the threat I pose. It's now clear that the primary is between you and me. Don't cowardly hide behind your proxies. Join the race directly. So, uh... I think I would think if I was Hillary, I would take that as a challenge. And of course, uh, Hillary, you know, she keeps she keeps tempting us. Maybe I should maybe I should maybe I should run. I know maybe I could I beat Trump once I could beat him again. Um, of course, I don't know where she figured out she beat him because she's she's uh, wherever she's at and Trump's in the White House. I don't know. And our unemployment rate is 3.5 and uh, the stock market's up and uh, we're slowly building a wall is slower than what Trump wanted, but uh, he's, he's still pressing forward. And you know, as, as, uh, as Rocky Balboa would say, it's not how hard you hit. It's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. And I think Trump has uh, proven he's, uh, he's doing well with that. So Tulsi may be on to something because there's real talk of Hillary getting into the race at this late hour. The rumors have been going for a couple of weeks, starting with an op-ed earlier this month in San Francisco Chronicle by former mayor Willie Brown. Willie Brown, uh, former mayor of, uh, of San Francisco, who helped launch Kamala Harris's political career in a motel room. Uh, who should run against Trump? How about Hillary Clinton? I wonder why he's not endorsing Kamala Harris. I don't know. Maybe she wasn't that good. Uh, next, the Washington Post wrote a piece that claimed Clinton supporters within the Democratic establishment have also passed around uh, Brown's op-ed and are taking it seriously. Then this week, there was Jonathan Martin's suspiciously timed piece in the New York Times. And it was titled, Anxious Democrat es- Democratic Establishment Asks, Is There Anyone Else? And I'll read this article. When a half a dozen Democratic donors gathered at the Whitby Hotel in Manhattan last week, the dinner began with a discussion of which presidential candidates the contributors liked. But as a conversation among influential Democrats often go these days, the meeting quickly evolved into a discussion of who was not in the race, but could be lured in. Would Hillary Clinton get in, the contributors wondered? With doubts rising about Biden's ability to finance a multi-state primary campaign, persistent question about Warren's viability in a general election, and skepticism that Pete Buttigieg, that's a name that's can't be a president, can uh, skepticism that Pete Mayor Pete can broaden his appeal among beyond the white voters. Why? What is it? The white voters? I think it's more the LGBT. Committee. Anyway, uh, Democratic leaders are fretting about who is in the race and and longing for a white knight. A white knight? Is that a racial thing? Uh, to enter the contest at the last minute. I wonder why they don't ask for a black knight because the Democrats are the ones that are always always uh, uh, pandering to the black black community during election years. Um, so I don't know. Democrats who have recently spoken with Mrs. Clinton say she shares the same concerns other party elites have about the field. Worried about Biden's durability, Warren's liberal politics, and unsure of who else can emerge to take on Trump. But these people who spoke anonymously to discuss private conversations say she enjoys the freedom that comes with not being on the ballot. One of Clinton's closest advisors, Philippe Reigns, was asked about about this. Reigns was Hillary's press secretary since she was a senator in 2002, went on to work with her uh, communication team at the state, uh, state Department in addition to her presidential campaigns. He played a role of Donald Trump 
in Hillary's uh, debate prep. Point being, he knows her well, and here's what he told Tucker. You know, she ran for president because she thought she would be the best right. president. If she, she still thought that now, if she thought she had the best odds of beating Donald Trump, yep. I think she would think about it long and hard. Yeah, I know so she's not. She, she hasn't foreclosed the possibility. I guess no, that's she has not. That is. If she were to run, which is unlikely. I mean, I, if you gave me a choice between betting on her yep. running or betting on Powerball, I'd probably bet on Powerball. But if she were to run, people get to decide. Is Man, she I, okay? I'm sure she does. I know you do. And, because it's a whole it's a cottage industry. Yes, I she might as, to some extent, she might as well run. Yeah, I think uh, I think Hillary's a little uh, addicted addicted to the uh, attention. She has to be in the limelight. Hey, I'm all out of time for this half of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, commercials, and sports, and I'll be back with uh, the rest of what's going on. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about uh, financing and real estate on the radio, but you know, if you're interested in financing and financing some real estate, whether you're buying it or refinancing something you already have, or you want to look into a reverse mortgage thing, if you want to invest, you know, I'll tell you if, if you're thinking about investing in property, I will tell you my wife and I own uh, 10 rental houses. Um, we own two commercial buildings, um, and two, uh, and we have, uh, we have a couple of vacation homes. Um, we flipped about mm, 50 some houses in our, in our history. And we've, uh, we actually, one of our uh, commercial com commercial properties, we, ten we 1031 exchanged, um, 15 rental houses into the, the commercial property in 2006, right at the top of the market, we rolled 15 houses that had about a combined cash flow of about a thousand dollars a month. Um, but had a ton of equity in them and rolled it into a, a commercial building that had about, a $200,000 a, a year in positive cash flow. So I don't know, we've been uh, relatively, uh, relatively successful. We've also made some, uh, made some uh, mistakes that if I had to go back, I'd do them, do them, uh, differently. But uh, if you want someone who understands the real estate business and uh, smart strategies, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. All right. So uh, in the first half, we were talking about uh, the possibility of Hillary Clinton uh, coming back in the in the, to run against Donald Trump for president and negate. I think there's 14 people left in the race. 14, I think it is. There were there were there were 24, right? Or maybe there's 17 left. I don't know. There's there's still more than what was on the stage because there's people that haven't gotten out that didn't qualify for the uh, debates. Still some people that haven't dropped out. Um, but let's just negate all those people and put Hillary back in. She was about to pass out at some of her events and she's having coughing issues and she couldn't talk right. And, uh, you know, she had some kind of a some kind of a breakdown at uh, ground zero and they shoved her in a van and took her over. And then they, they made some weird kind of thing where she walked out of Chelsea Clinton's uh, uh, apartment building and uh, they staged some little kid on the sidewalk, you know, a sidewalk that was blocked off by everybody, but some little three-year-old kid, they, they, they filmed, it was, it was about as real looking as uh, that Instagram thing that uh, Elizabeth Warren that said, said, well, she's talking to people say, Hey, I think I'll have a beer. All right, I'll have a beer while I'm talking to people on, on, uh, on Instagram. You know what? What people will do. But anyway, uh, 
If Hillary decides not to run, maybe it'll be because she's intimidated by Elizabeth Warren's latest plan to fund Medicare for all. It's coming any day now. I plan over the next um, uh, few weeks to put out a plan that talks about specifically the cost of Medicare for all and specifically how we pay for it. You know, uh, that's the 64 gazillion dollar question. How do you how do you give free insurance to everybody, including illegal aliens? I'm sorry, illegal immigrants. I'm sorry, uh, undocumented immigrants, because there's no such thing as illegal anybody except for people that break the law, and if you, which means illegal. And if you break the law, if you come over the border not documented, that's illegal. So, but we're not allowed to say that anymore. So. Uh, undocumented Democrats. So uh, if we're going to pay for all those people, um, they say it's going to cost $32 trillion over over 10 years. And Elizabeth Warren's plan to to tax everybody two cents on every dollar that they have if you, if you have over $50 million in net worth um, just isn't going to work because that will, that will generate over 10 years, 2.75 trillion. And, uh, and, I just don't see it happening. I mean, even the richest guy in the in the country, uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, last I heard, but I don't know if this is after his uh, divorce or before his divorce, he's worth 108 billion. Um, 108 billion for him, you pay two cents on every dollar over 50, 50 million. So that would be he would be paying out 200 million dollars a year. Not for earning on on money that he already earned and he already paid taxes on, so uh, you know that may seem for people that don't earn earn big money that may seem well that's fair that's fair he has more than enough money and he does but why is that fair? I think what what I've seen what I've seen over thirty years being in the mortgage business and looking at people's taxes and I will tell you the uh, that's not where you get the money where you get them where where we where we uh, where we help people and we actually uh, raise money for things as you go to a national sales tax, get rid of the IRS or you get rid of filing taxes and the IRS just collects sales tax and the national sales tax is 10% or 12%, whatever it needed to be. And nobody can hide income. You don't have to hide your income. Your income is your income. You get your whole paycheck. But you go to the grocery store and spend a hundred bucks, you pay ten or twelve dollars in tax, and that goes to the U.S. Treasury. And if uh, and if and if you're standing on the side of the side of the uh, freeway at the off ramp and you're saying uh, homeless, hungry, please help, and you give give them five bucks here and two dollars there, those guys are collecting about two hundred bucks a day, and which is about seventy eight thousand dollars a year, and uh, and that's tax free, which is equivalent to those of us that make. You know, mid hundred, you know, one hundred fifty grand, and give half of it to the to taxes. So they're making that for standing on their on the freeway, and they don't have to pay taxes on it. So uh, I don't know how you feel about it. I think everybody should pay ten percent, and everybody should pay ten percent on everything that everything they buy, and nobody should have to pay. Nobody should have to pay fifty or sixty percent on anything, and nobody gets to pay zero. And you say, well, rich people can afford to pay that. Poor people can't. Poor people that make that that spend a hundred dollars a week can pay ten dollars a week. Rich people that spend, you know, 
$6,000 a week can play, pay $600 a week. And that's, a, and that's a lot more money. And people that go, that can afford to buy a $200,000 uh, Lamborghini or something can pay $20,000 in, in taxes on that. Say, well, wow, the price of a Lamborghini just went up $20,000. Man, that's not making it fair. Well, yeah, it is because you get to pay your, bring your whole paycheck home. So, you know, if you understand, and you know what the thing is, the, the reason that Donald Trump is being so successful, and I, and I don't have it on my uh, list to talk about uh, too much about Syria today um, and the, uh, and the uh, ceasefire, but you know, apparently Turkey is a little bit more scared of, of the economic sanctions that Trump decided to use rather than the military, and it seems to be working from, of course, that's what Trump said, said Thursday morning. Um, whether it is or not, we'll see if it lasts long, long term. But the reason that this is so unconventional um, to people in in uh, in Congress and Senate um, and previous presidents, because they don't have the they don't have the knowledge of how the global economy works like Trump does. I mean, uh, Barack Obama never even understood how how to balance a checkbook or how to. Uh, how to uh, run a, uh, a lemonade stand? Um, Bush Bush had some some knowledge. He owned he owned the you know his dad was in the oil business and his uh, and his uh, he owned the New York Ranger or not New York Rangers the uh, the Texas Rangers at some, at one point and so he had some experience. But uh, you know Clinton, what did Clinton know? Uh, I don't know what Clinton had done. He got his law degree and then he went into politics. And he was governor of Arkansas. And uh, him and Hillary got into trouble with uh, sh- doing a, a slimy uh, real estate deal with uh, Whitewater and screwing some savings and loans out of money and all that stuff. And then uh, suiciding people when they try to make some some uh, shady deals that they were going to get caught on. So, you know, when you put someone in the in the White House that has some knowledge of the global economy, that's how you that's how you drain the swamp. And when you think about what's going on with. The impeachment thing, which I'm about to talk about, that's what Trump's doing. No, he's trying. He said he's going to drain the swamp. He's finding the corruption out there, and it's not hard to find when Biden goes on TV and and says, "Hey, you know," and I went over there and I said, "Hey, I, I got a billion dollars. You're not getting it until you uh, fire this prosecutor." You know, and uh, and you know, hey, son of a b. Uh, six hours later, they they fired him. You know what? It's not hard to find that stuff. Because some of these politicians aren't smart enough to, uh, don't even know how to be criminals. So anyway, let's talk about the secret impeachment thing. Uh, we all know Democrats are in full-blown impeachment mode with uh, Adam uh, lying sack of Schiff calling in current and former State Department employees left and right to testify on whether President Trump withheld military aid from Ukraine in exchange for alleged help with the 2020 election. And we know the proceedings have all been closed-door testimony, but we're just now learning the extent of the secrecy. Turns out, Shifty Shift has been shutting Republicans out completely and only allowing them to read the transcripts in specific in a specific room under the watchful eye of Democratic Hall Monitor. Here's uh, Congressman uh, Jim Jordan. The Democrats will now not even allow Republicans to have a copy of the respective transcripts from from each of the witnesses we've interviewed thus far. If we want to look at the transcript, we got to go in, and there's got to be a Democrat staffer in there. Yeah, Schiff's, Schiff's claiming Schiff's claiming that he's following House rules by inviting Republicans into the hearing 
to cross-examine the witnesses. But according to Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, um, that's only half the truth. He says only certain Republicans have been allowed in. They designed a process to pick and choose who to come, McCarthy said. Uh, this is a closed system. This system is designed to to already try to to try, to already try to find an outcome. So you know they they came to the conclusion. They come to the conclusion and they're trying to justify it. They're not they're not getting the evidence and finding out what the outcome is going to be. They found the outcome first. The outcome is we're going to impeach Trump, and they've been talking that since November 9th, two thousand sixteen. Uh, you know, oh man, what are we going to do now? He won the election. Well, first we're going to try and uh, blame it on the Russians and say it, it, they cheated. He stole the election. I think you've all heard uh, Hillary Clinton saying, hey, you know what? You could do everything right and have somebody steal the election from you. Well, guess what, Hillary? You don't own the United States and you don't own a, uh, you don't own a, <clears throat> a particular piece of uh, furniture in the White House that's yours and uh, you don't, you're not owed anything. So this is uh, what led to Wednesday when two dozen House Republicans led by Florida Congressman Matt Gates, who's uh, just coming into his own being a loudmouth in uh, in uh, Washington, D.C., which we need more of, uh, marched into Schiff's secret room to confront House Democrats before one of this week's scheduled hearings. Today's victim was Pentagon official Laura Cooper. Here's Gates, Jim Jordan, Michael Waltz, and then more of Matt Gates. What is Adam Schiff trying to hide? What is happening here is not fair. There is no reason this should be down in a tiny room within a room, uh, within a skiff at the basement of the Capitol. That's so Adam Schiff can control the narrative, can drive polling, and can get the vote that he wants, which is to impeach the president. Is it behind those doors they intend to overturn the results of an American presidential election? We want to know what's going on. We're going to go and see if we can get inside. So let's, uh, let's see if we can get in. You know, and, uh, and the reports that I heard was, hey, it created a big ruckus. And Adam Schiff, as soon as they walked in, he grabbed the witness and walked out of, walked out of the room, like shielding the witness from, from seeing this. And uh, that the, uh, they were there to listen in on, on the hearing, and the hearing just stopped. And the people that were yelling, yelling and screaming were the Democrats yelling at them. And uh, this was a result of a five. This resulted in a in a five hour delay of Cooper's testimony, which Democrats whined about on CNN after. uh, Oh, well, here's Matt Gates on Tucker Wednesday night. We had the audacity to want to know what in the world was going on behind closed doors where Democrats have engaged in a strategy of secret interviews, selective leaks, theatrical, weird performances of transcripts that never happened, and then lies about whistleblowers. And so it's reasonable to suggest that we would want more transparency on behalf of the millions of people that we represent. Do you have a right under congressional rules to demand it? There are no rules, Tucker. If we had rules, Nancy Pelosi would have put this issue to a vote and established rules like happened for President Clinton, like happened for President Nixon. But the Democrats want to preserve the most like operational flexibility. And so if they're going to have a world with no rules, we got to stop like thinking that we can use the Marquis of Queensberry rules of engagement when we're fighting against an angry pack of rabid hyenas. Okay, so just so you know, the Marquis of Queensbury uh, rules of engagement are the rules of boxing. So you know if you got if you're if you're going into a street brawl, um, it, you're you're in a big disadvantage if you're putting on your gloves and you won't kick and you won't bite and you won't use your fingers and you won't choke out people. You can't go in with with using fair fight, 
sporting rules, you know, being a good sportsman and a gentleman, and the and you're fighting against a, a pack of wolves. You're fight, fighting against street fighters. You're fighting against guys with knives and guns, and you're using boxing gloves. So, uh, and I've said this forever, and uh, Travis Allen was saying that when he was running for governor. We can't beat the Democrats without getting into the same dirt that they're in. We have to get down and dirty. And the Republicans want to stay dignified. Hey, we're we're Christian people. We stay dignified. We work. We pay our bills. Do all that stuff. We're not we're not nasty lion cheaters. And uh, but you know we got to get to a point where we got to take them on in their own turf. And uh, so that's basically what Matt Gates is saying. I'm glad to hear some people sticking their head above the crowd because for for last couple of years, both Don and I are saying, where are the Republicans? What are they doing? Why are why are the and maybe it's the maybe it's the mainstream media because they're only put the Democrats on. But I have to wonder how come they're the only ones making noise and the people that make the noise are the ones that the unin the uninformed and the misinformed are getting their news from. You know, our kids, our grandkids. Well, my grandkids are not old enough to vote, so um, so I'll make sure that they stay informed. But uh, until then, but. Um, you know, our kids, our, our, our coworkers, our, our friends, our neighbors, you know, if they're not engaged in this stuff, they're not seeing both sides. They're only hearing the little, little, uh, little snippets. Meanwhile, over on CNN, Anderson Cooper uh, described the events this way. The day after the diplomat and five decade long public servant, William Taylor laid out the Ukraine quid pro quo to house impeachment committee members, about two dozen conservative Republican lawmakers decided to engage in a publicity stunt, storming the Secure Conference Room, or SCIF, where a senior Pentagon official, Deputy Assistant Defense Secretary Laura Cooper, was about to testify to both Democratic and Republican lawmakers. Some of them held up their phones to record their storming of a secure room and held up proceedings for about five hours, demanding to witness the closed-door testimony, complaining loudly about due process and the way the hearings are being run. But... Keeping them honest, there are several reasons why their complaints just simply do not add up. For one, it's not like Republicans are being locked out. As long as they're members of the appropriate three committees, this is not a Democratic star chamber. Yeah, well, there's other uh, there's other uh, other other committees like the Judicial Committee that wants to see what that's going to have to handle an impeachment if it actually gets the, gets to that far. That they want to they want to hear all the evidence up front, not just what what uh, they're allowed to hear. And, uh, and, you know, I, I use that little clip because he mentions the Democratic Star Chamber, which apparently refers to something in King Henry the, the Seventh times where, uh, you know, hey, you got this underground place that we uh, do these uh, not quite democratic, not quite public, not quite transparent kind of dealings. And uh, they call it a star chamber because I think that seemed to be uh, on Wednesday and Wednesday uh, after that, that seemed to be the the word of the night. Star chamber, star chamber, char star chamber. I started to think the Republicans were having a having their word of the week. Uh, then uh, then he continued talk about uh, Donald Trump uh, on one of his tweets. Today, the president tried to rebut the timeline of the Ukraine quid pro quo, arguing that there's no way it was a quid pro quo because the Ukrainians had no idea the aid was being held up. He tweeted out a quote from a Republican congressman on Fox and Friends. Reading it now is, quote, neither he, Taylor, or any other witness has provided testimony that the Ukrainians were aware that military aid was being withheld. You can't have a quid pro quo with no quo. 
First of all, logically, that's not true. When a small country is reliant on military aid from a big country and they've not received that aid, even if they expect it's going to come, doesn't mean they can't be made to feel beholden to the larger country. Well, you know what? When a small country is getting all their support from the big country, they are beholden to the big country. So just kind of like our kids, they're beholden to their parents because we feed them and we provide them, uh, provide them, uh, you know, shelter and clothing. They're beholden to their parents because we take care of them. And guess what? They're beholden to us. Is that a bad thing? No. It's, hey, you know, when you can, when you can wipe your own, wipe your own backside and you can pay your own bills, all that stuff, then you don't have to be beholden to us. But until then, until you can stand on your own two feet, then you need to follow our rules. And you need to be beholden to us. That doesn't mean that you should impeach the president because he's talking to them and trying to find find out what they know about corruption in our in our uh, country. So uh, hey, get real, everybody. Hey, but the testimony went went the Democrats' way earlier this week when top U.S. diplomat to Ukraine Bill Taylor told Schiff that he wanted to hear what he wanted to hear. Remember, Taylor is one of the two men who were, uh, ha, whose texts have framed the Ukraine narrative because his text with Ambassador Gordon Sondland contained the words quid pro quo. Interesting how this closed, test, how this closed door testimony gets leaked to the media when Schiff wants it to. Here's Fox's Catherine Herridge on what was said. Taylor, who described himself as a career diplomat, said the regular channel went through traditional State Department avenues and the irregular channel went through the president's people, naming Ambassador Gordon Sondland, former special envoy Kurt Volker, the president's personal attorney Rudy Giuliani and Energy Secretary Rick Perry. According to his prepared remarks, Taylor explained the significance to President Trump of Ukrainian probes into the last presidential election, as well as the Ukraine energy firm where Hunter Biden sat on the board. Quote, the push to make President Zelensky publicly commit to investigations of Burisma and alleged interference in the 2016 election showed how the official foreign policy of the United States was undercut by the irregular efforts led by Mr. Giuliani. Well, you know, in my opinion, he's he's saying, "Hey, this is the this uh, Taylor guy is telling uh, President Trump how, hey, because you're doing this, you know, it, because you're doing this and using Giuliani and doing all this stuff, you're undercutting the the you're changing the whole foreign policy ways that the United States does it. Guess what? If this is how if this is how uh, Washington D.C. has worked for all these years, then guess what? We need to change it. It's dirty. It's corrupt." You know, if this is this has gone on way too long, this is why uh, why we need to have term limits so no one can get get uh, filthy rich in there. They don't. They go in to do public service, they get you know a healthy paycheck, and they get all these expenses. But somehow they come out millionaires. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happens because it's dirty. There's too much blackmail and and bribery and all that stuff going on. And Trump doesn't need it. He's bringing it out. And all his all the all politicians are mad about it because he's cutting down their money tree. So uh, Taylor's Taylor's testimony spawned a new word of the week. Up ahead, much more on this devastating day for the Trump administration. It's devastating testimony. A really devastating uh, piece of evidence. That's why this testimony today was so devastating. It's devastating. It's a smoking yes, gun. Devastating from a national security perspective. His testimony is devastating. Uh, you know, and before I finish up, I got a couple of minutes left. You know, apparently everything was devastating this week. Meanwhile, President Trump's commenting on the witch hunt every day, even giving the Dems this backhanded compliment. Well, I think the Democrats fight dirty. 
I think the Democrats are lousy politicians with lousy policy. But two things they have. They're vicious and they stick together. They don't have Mitt Romney in their midst. They don't have people like that. So, of course, uh, Trump's referring to Romney's outspoken criticism of the decision to pull out of Syria, among other things. And, of course, there was all kinds of people that were that were against that. And, uh, you know, Trump's using using other tools besides our uh, our armed forces. Um, You know, if if it's going to happen, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And if we can if we can if we can intercede with economic sanctions instead of having to put our our boys in harm's way um that's what trump said we didn't need to that's what he said when he ran there's uh there needed to be an end to these endless wars and and isn't it interesting that the same media who mocked bromney for his his age his health his religion his son's names his adopted black grandchild and about anything else that they could get their hands on when he was running for Running uh, for president against Barack Obama is now showing Mitt a strange, showing Mitt a strange new respect. Case in point, the story in Atlantic this week, um, which I don't have time to read the whole thing. The newly rebellious senator has become an outspoken dissident of Trump's uh, Republican Party uh, just in time for the president's impeachment trial. Mitt is leaning forward in his chair, his eyes flashing, his voice sharp. In his strange look, the 72-year-old senator, who typically affects a measured, somber tone when discussing Trump's various moral de- deficiencies, but after weeks of escalating combat with the president over Ukraine, China, Syria, and impeachment, the gentleman from Utah suddenly appears ready to unload. Trump, uh, we find out this week that Romney has an alter ego on Twitter called uh, Pierre Delecto because he's too he's too uh, too wussy to to go out and use his own name to st- to state the things that are he's a democrat he's a democrat he's backstabbing uh the republican party anyway i'll go into this more next week but i gotta i gotta catch a plane to nashville go have some fun you guys thanks for listening to the main event my name's ed hoffman and i'll be back again with you next week the opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of summit funding incorporated ed hoffman and mls id number 